bag for you, but it's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Yes, uh, I am uh, so grateful to be here, to be with you. So good morning, Awakening family. Uh, thank you for being here, for worshiping with us. Thank you, Mark, for leading us. And uh, I just have to give a shout out to the Awakening recruitment and training uh, team here because last week was my first Sunday and now I'm preaching. So uh, if this is your first Sunday, start studying First Peter. We're getting back to that next week because you might be up here. <laughs> but um, and it's all serious, my name is Michael Gilmore. Uh, and uh, while last Sunday really was my first Sunday here, I do serve as our communications and next-gen director at our district office, and uh, it's a new role for me this year. I've worked part-time at the district office as our uh, youth ministry coordinator since 2019. Uh, what a time to start a job about connecting with people right before a global pandemic, am I right? But uh, now my job is full-time, and I get to uh, maintain and develop our communication with the, our pastors throughout Southern California, Arizona, and New Mexico, encourage and inspire our children's and youth workers, and I've actually known Pastor Carrie and Zach for a while now. And so uh, my job is, is, a, is a dream job for me, to be able to care and inspire uh, our youth workers across the district and travel and tell the stories of our churches and what God is, is, is doing in our, in a, across our district and also do whatever my boss Gina tells me to do. Um, that also happens. So uh, my wife Sadie is with me. This is her. Uh, we've been married for six years now and uh, we are beginning this new journey, this new chapter of life moving down here. Uh, it's a, certainly a big hassle. Uh, these are my Fur babies, uh, Hazel and Daisy. There they are, of course. Um, it's important that you see them because they're very cute, and I love them a lot. So uh, this is Hazel and Daisy, and that is a cracker that they really want. So I uh, actually graduated from Crown College 10 years ago this month. Uh, like last, like a week ago, almost to the day, and uh, I've served as a youth and associate pastor in Palm Springs for nine of those years. And as a pastor and a servant of the Lord, I always strive to follow Isaiah's example to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So it was uh, easy for me to say yes when Pastor Carey asked me to speak just a few days ago. Um, I certainly have experience with that, so I am happy to be here and share with you something the Lord taught me um, a few years ago. And today I want to share with you how God has called you to wake up, get ready, and get out. It's a three-point sermon, a classic, right? So you ready? You got your notes, you got your pens, your papers, your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, because that is where we're going to be today. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, this is the word of God. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because, AC is really strong in here, by the way. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for you were once for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful when to talk. Uh, it is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, "Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light." So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that brings us truth. I pray, Lord, this morning that the words that I share would not be mine, but they would be yours. And anything that is not of you, let it fade into nothingness now. But Lord, if you have something to say, we're listening. Amen. All right, I was told I can sit on this. Is that accurate? Okay, thank you. Why not, right? All right, <clears throat> imagine for with me uh, your morning today. Hopefully, uh, all of you were asleep at some point. Hopefully, you didn't pull an all-nighter last night, even though those are fun. But you awoke, right? You got out of bed at some point. You got ready for the day in some manner of speaking. Maybe some of you are a little more disheveled than others. That's okay. You're here. That's what's important, right? Uh, but in some manner of speaking, you're here, you came, and you know maybe you're even still in your PJs at home watching online. That's okay, too. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. But this little phrase that Paul writes in the heart of this passage is the thesis, I feel, of Ephesians. And you can summarize this whole passage with this. So, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I actually wrote this sermon six years ago before an event called Life Conference, the theme of which was Awaken. And this was one of our theme verses. And I was inspired by these words that Paul wrote. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Powerful words. They're, they're intriguing words. They're interesting words. There's, uh, sometimes in the Bible you read a verse and you're just like, wait, I just need to like, think about this for a minute. Have you guys ever experienced that? You're just reading, you're like, I need to take a minute and, and think about this. And, and these words that, that came to my mind in a more common day phrase, wake up, get ready, and get out. 
be awake is to be uh, alert, right? To see things that are happening, to understand if you're asleep, your eyes are closed, your body's shut down, you're not moving, hopefully. Uh, hopefully you're breathing, unless you have sleep apnea, then maybe you're not breathing uh, for a time, but you'll soon be breathing again. But to be alert, to be awake, to understand, you're starting to piece together that the sun has risen, right? The light's shining in, that the dogs are wrestling on the floor, uh, that they're licking your toes, or that the cat is pawing at the side of your bed for breakfast, right? That's starting to become awake. And when we're asleep, what happens? Well, either nothing, you're blind to the realities of this world or what's happening. We aren't aware of what is happening. That's when the worst pranks happen, right? That's when you get the, your face drawn on and your hand put in a bucket of water when you're truly, totally asleep. We don't take in the truth or existence of things around us when we're asleep. We're in a dream world or maybe even a nightmare. Sometimes life can feel like that, one or the other. We're not aware, we're not awake to what God is doing. We sometimes imagine that fantasy world where everything is perfect or weird or out of place. That's what dreams are like. Reality is that in regards to our spiritual lives and our eternal nature, we'll all be awakened to the reality of who God is at some point. That there's a heaven and a hell and that we'll all face judgment. That's a wake-up call if I've ever heard of one. And someday we'll all figure it out one way or another. So why does Paul want us to be awakened? What does he want us to be awoken up to? I don't know if those are exact actual words, but I'm going to use them. I'm going to use a lot of made-up words today. But uh, just a show of hands, who here wakes up on their own? You know, you finish your REM cycle and you just naturally wake up like a beautiful princess in a Disney movie. Some of them, yeah, I see the hands, yeah. Or prince, uh, Disney prince, that's possible. Uh, who just has, wakes up to an alarm? Yeah, most of us, some of us. Who wakes up to three separate alarms, hitting snooze three times, and still having your, your parent or partner shake you awake, yes, several of you, several of you, good. Okay, so there are all kinds of ways that we might be woken up, but everyone has this awakening moment, right? An aha moment with Christ, when it makes sense. We awake to the spiritual realities of this world. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us that to us, it all makes sense, but to everyone else, the message of Christ is folly. The message of the cross is foolish to those who, who don't believe, but to us, the believers in Christ, it is everything. It is the power of God. I love that, that it's such this unique paradox of this truth that we believe. The relationship that we have with Christ doesn't make sense to anyone else because so many other people are still asleep. But when you're awoken to the reality of Christ, to who he is, you're, you experience, you intake, you, you absorb, you understand what's going on around you in a new way. It's no longer a dream, no longer a nightmare. And we all need a moment like this to be awoken. I use the, this app on my, my phone. I have an iPhone. Um, shout out to Apple. But it's called Bedtime. And it tells me, it gives me a reminder when I go to bed. How many of you guys use bedtime, some of you? Yeah, yeah. 
But I like using bedtime because the alarm in the morning is nice and sweet and gentle. And it starts out soft and quiet and slowly builds. And it makes this nice, gentle awakening. And it's so much better than, ah, 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 am I right? Yeah. I used to have those alarm clocks in high school. And uh, one time, I, my class was going to go to a, a theme park that was four hours away, and my alarm did not go off, and I did not get awakened, and I was very upset. But uh, that's just a freebie. It has nothing to do with anything. Not even on my script. But let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and see how Paul takes us to this moment in chapter 5. This book kind of opens, uh, that's how it opens, right? Like the bedtime app, not like the old school alarms. It's nice and subtle. It builds to a truth that we actually cannot ignore. If you're asleep and your alarm eventually is blazing uh, loud, you're going to wake up. I know of, uh, there's some alarm clocks that have like mats. They actually vibrate your bed to shake you awake. Uh, hopefully you don't get to that point either. But Paul here wants to lead you to the truth, to this moment of understanding that you cannot ignore. He opens with a greeting as normal in chapter 1, and as per usual with Paul, it's one long sentence for about 10 verses, and first chapter, verses 3 through 14, are actually just one long run-on sentence, but it's just praising God in an amazing way. And in chapter 2, the alarm goes off, or starts to go off, really, and this is what I want you to recognize, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. This is the word of God. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our spiritual nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else but God. is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He has planned for us all along. I can't say anything more inspirational than what Jesus has already said. So I'm going to read a lot of Scripture today, but this is so powerful and wonderful. You are God's masterpiece. It's nothing you've done to be saved. And that is the, that is the moment of awakening, understanding that you can't do it. 
And that's a blessing to know that you cannot save yourself because if you can't save yourself, that means you can't lose yourself once Jesus has saved you. And just like real life sleeping, everyone is different. Some hear the alarm and they wake up right away. Some hear it and snooze. Some hear it and turn off the alarm, but they hear the alarm no less. Just as Mark referenced the soil that the seed, uh, the parable of the sower, so many different ways that we can experience the gospel in our lives, but this is the truth. Jesus loves you. He has poured out his grace and forgiveness to you. He sent his son to die on the cross as the perfect sacrifice to forgive you of of your sins because you are his masterpiece, his creation. And so Paul says, awake, O sleeper. See the spiritual realities of what God is doing in your life. See how God is working, how he is moving and shaping you and your heart and your life and those around you. See how he is in charge of it all. See the forgiveness and love that God has poured out. Recognize that the sun has risen, both the literal sun and the Father God's sun, and realize that it's a new day. The night is over. Enjoy the light and life of morning, and you have a new start, a new opportunity to do something special in this world. As verse 10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Wake up to the reality that God has a plan for you. This is a a picture of us starting a new life, a new journey in our belief in Jesus, a new day. And this is us sitting up in bed, looking around and just starting to take everything in. That's a spiritual awareness understanding your lostness, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus has for us. And chapter 3 that Paul goes into is even titled, The Mystery of the Gospel Revealed. This is your awakening. When you follow through with what Romans 10 tells us, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Awake, O sleeper. Let's first reflect, you know, ask yourself, are you awake spiritually? Do you recognize the spiritual realities of your life? Or are you continuing to walk along blissfully unaware? Or maybe it's more of that nightmare and you have no idea how to escape. The things of this world keep hitting you and hurting you and hindering you and you don't have an answer. Jesus is the answer. Doesn't mean your problems will disappear overnight, He'll love you. He'll walk with you, encourage you, inspire you, bring you to a church family who will encourage you, support you. As you look at the happenings of life, do you see coincidences or do you see the work of God and the Holy Spirit? How about a quick story, huh? No? Okay, that's fine. Okay, I will. Um, So... I, uh, I like to say that I was born in Texas, raised in Wisconsin, and grew up in Nebraska. And I could probably add that now California is my home, that I've been here for 10 years. But my father, being a CMA pastor, he moved around a lot uh, for various reasons. But the Lord just would lead him and guide him and direct him in different ways. Usually it was a bad situation that somehow sent him out. But 
it wasn't, uh, uh, California wasn't always my home. There was a time when I would never have dreamed of being out here, of living here in California. This is like the West Coast. You guys are a whole different group of people compared to the Midwest, which I'm sure you've seen the difference with Pastor Kerry as your uh, pastor, and it's probably why I connect with him and Pastor Zach so well, but that's beside the point. As I shared, I graduated from Crown College in 2012, and I had no job prospects at all. And uh, even worse, I had no wife because uh, I'm not sure how much you know about small private Christian colleges, but uh, it was rare for someone to graduate without finding the right person. You know, even though your, your pool of people is like 600 people, somehow everyone paired up except for me. And trust me, like I tried. I, I, every year consistently, I, I went out with someone and it was hard to, uh, when you have common phrases that fly around like ring by spring and your uh, college is nicknamed Gown College, formerly St. Paul Bridal College instead of Bible College. Uh, this is this kind of the pressure. It's always on your mind when you're at these places. And so I graduated, no job, no wife, no nothing to speak of. And so when I graduated, I really did think, well, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life because that was my chance. I missed it. Not going to happen. Uh, but that summer, I worked on campus, and for various reasons, my parents moved from Nebraska to California that summer while I was at college still. And when my summer job ended, I followed them out to California to a new place where I knew no one for free food and rent, like any good millennial will do. And my prospects for marriage dropped drastically because I was moving to Palm Springs area, which if you aren't familiar with the demographics of Palm Springs, let's just say that they're old and not my type, um, so to speak. I mean, where would I expect to find a young, beautiful Christian woman in Palm Springs? And so when I got there and to begin my life without love, I was expectantly the, one of the only young people in the church. And there were uh, those that, ha- that were there, the young people were there. They had their own relationships at the time. But one day as we were driving to meet some people for lunch after church, my lovely sister turns around in the car and says, you know who mom thinks you should date? Yes, very bold of her. Sadie, Mark and Janelle's daughter. And she was very confident. And uh, at the time, Sadie was going to school at UCR in Riverside, uh, not often at the church. And we had met once or twice, but I said, no, I, I'm pretty sure she has a boyfriend. It's not a thing. Like, well, not to be stopped or uh, defeated, my mother and sister did detective work at that lunch. They found out that Sadie did not have a boyfriend and never had even ever had a boyfriend. And so I mulled it over. I prayed about it. I... I uh, and then, yeah, I should at least ask her out. I even asked her father for permission before asking her, right? So long story medium, I did ask her out, and she basically said no, but eventually she did say yes. Eventually, we, uh, she said yes to the bigger question, and uh, that is why she's my wife now, and she's here, and she's probably embarrassed because I didn't tell her I was telling this story, but spiritual awareness is looking back on that story and recognizing all that God did that led me to my perfect mate in life. It's not a great situation to have to move back home and live with your parents in California, a place that you've never experienced with no connections, 
It's not a great situation uh, at the time to not have any job prospects or to coming out of college and, and, and no other young people being available. Nothing else, none of it seemed like a good situation, but the Lord made all those things. Even the reasons my parents moved to California were not good reasons. But the Lord put all those pieces in place. Made all the connections, all the steps possible to be where I am in life. Those all might not seem great, but God used, God used each of those things, including my sister's boldness to speak the truth, to lead me where I was supposed to be. The sun is bright in the morning. You know, you wake up and you're like, I don't know about this sun thing. Can we kind of cut that out? But it provides light for you. It brings life to the plants and to the uh, parks and places. It gives you light in your room to get ready for the day. Not all that seems bad leads to doom and gloom. Spiritual awareness is learning how to trust in the Lord. Being awake is recognizing what he's doing, that he is at work in this world and in our lives and choosing spiritual humility to see, hear, and experience what he is doing without the false realities, the dream world uh, of our prejudices and expectations of what we think God should be doing in our lives. Awake, O sleeper. Wake up. Unfortunately, not everyone even does that. And not everyone awakens to the reality of spiritual awareness, but just as unfortunate are those who just stay in bed. They hear this moment, but they, they and that's great. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, I know how great a, a breakfast in bed is. That's delicious and wonderful. Uh, I know how fun it is to immediately procrastinate your day. I often do that instead of getting up, and, but I start the day with my wordle on my phone instead of getting up and brushing my teeth. But spiritually speaking, these people are those who sit in bed and say, well, I don't know what to do next. Okay, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness, but I, this is, what, what else, you know? I don't know what to do. I don't know what your will is for my life. Do you want to know God's will for your life? This is Yes. Most people want to know what God wants for them, right? What, what most people want to know what uh, God's will for their lives is. And I can tell you, I can tell you what God's will for your life is right now. It's not a secret. It's not even a secret. Because God wrote it down in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's what God wants for you. That is your goal. That is part of your commission as a believer in Christ. So you might ask, what is sanctification? That's a great question. I know Pastor Kerry has recently talked about sanctification, but my phrase that we often will say is, you are set apart from sin and set apart to God. Sanctification means you have a purpose, and you might not know what that purpose is, but God does, and someday you will too. Maybe not even until after you fulfill what God has been working on your life. Sanctification is uh, something uh, that I like to say like this. Um, my, my toothbrush is sanctified because I, I, I always uh, like to share this example, but my toothbrush has the purpose of washing my teeth. It is set apart to wash my teeth and is not used by other people and is not used in other places. 
I do not use my toothbrush to clean the toilet. Okay? Bad idea. If that happens, it is now uh, toothbrush sanctified for the toilet. Different kind of sanctification. But it's set apart. My toothbrush has been set apart from other jobs and set apart to my mouth. Make sense? In the same way, you who belong to Christ have been set apart from sin and set apart to God. Sanctification is twofold, and it is important that we understand that, yes, you've been forgiven from sin, but now you have a job to do for the kingdom and glory of God. That is your next step. That is tearing the blankets off. That is getting up and doing your first push-ups or whatever it is you do to start the day. That's sanctification. You have a purpose, and God wants you to discover it. So leave the security and comfort of your bed, the security and comfort that you think you might have in the place that you are in life, and follow Christ where he has called you. Paul is urging the believers in Ephesus to leave what they knew and walk in truth and this new call in their lives. So many of these passages that we've read already, have, Paul has asked them to leave sexual immorality and greed and lust and all of these things that were of their previous life. The things that we know that can capture us, that we feel like bring us comfort and joy, but it's such a fleeting comfort and joy that ends up ruining other things in our lives. They become those vices. It's so nice to be wrapped up in that nice warm blanket, but you're not living life. So get up. Wake up. Get up. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 as Paul continues here, starting in verse 17. With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gave us, gives us. They have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live lustful pleasure, uh, live for lustful pleasure, and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Verse twenty-one. Since you have heard from Jesus and have now learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old shameful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us, uh, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't uh, sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on you while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We all know the difference between waking up and getting up, right? 
Waking up, you can lay in bed, you're there. It's easy for me to just lay there. You grab your phone, you flip through Reddit, you do your Wordle, you check your Instagram, your Facebook. And in this day and age, there are so many things to distract us and keep us from pursuing our call, the call to live for Christ, the call to be tenderhearted and kind, forgiving of one another, just as Christ forgave us. But to get up means to get dressed, to get ready. You take a shower, uh, you comb your hair, you eat your breakfast, you take the dog on a walk. If you, are, uh, if you wake up to the spiritual realities of this world, your next step is to get ready for what God has set before you. To throw off the old things, the things that have kept you uh, asleep. The things of this world that are hindering and hurting you and causing you and others pain. Jesus has called us a life, a f- to a full life, an abundant life. I love the, the fruit of the Spirit is, is obviously a classic phrase, but as Paul said, lists them as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against such things, there is no law. You can be as loving as you want. Did you know that? They're not going to arrest you for that. And what a beautiful thing. So get up, get, put on that armor of God, put on that love of God, put on that Spirit and be ready to go out and do what God has called you to do. When something matters to me, when, I, when something important, when something's going to happen in the morning, I can get out of bed, sometimes without an alarm. You know, you're just excited for the day. Sometimes it's an excitement, you know, you're, uh, I, because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to sleep through it. I had that traumatic experience in junior high of missing my trip to the theme park, so I wake up a lot now. But... Uh, there are all kinds of things that can get me out of bed. Sometimes it is going to Disneyland, but sometimes it's bad things, like hearing my dog start to puke. That gets me out of, out of the bed real quick. And, and those of you who have pets know that, know that moment of just sheer terror, right? But I'm very awake and getting out of bed after that one. So how are you spiritually preparing for your day, your week, your month? Do you spend time in prayer, reading the word? Do you spend time in fellowship, in uh, community with other believers, in serving God? Are you putting on the armor of God? Are you humbly reflecting on your own actions, thoughts, attitudes, and feelings? Because even here, Paul tells us to, uh, uh, to let go of any rage and, and sorrow and anger and deception. Let all those things go. There's so many things. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. There's a lot of anger in our world today. There's a lot of harsh words in our world today. And we can't change it in an instant. But each and every day, you can choose to bring the love of Jesus back into the world rather than anger, rather than harshness. And it's only when each and every one of us believe in this call, awake, get ready for what God has us to do, that we're going to see this world change. I know how frustrating it is to watch the news, to hear the headlines, and just grieve for this world. Nothing's going to change instantly, but each and every day you can make it a little bit better. As a side note, 
we want you, I want you to get ready because uh, God has called you to do great things for his kingdom. And I want you to be ready. That's my question. Will you be ready to jump into where God calls you? Because uh, as a side note, there is, if there's anything that you feel like you need to complain about to the church or to the pastor, that means God has given you a very special task of actually doing that thing that you're complaining about. Is there not enough uh, people in uh, children's ministry to take care of your kids? Well, you could volunteer. Are you uh, concerned about uh, our outreach at Awakening? They're doing awesome stuff. Get involved. If the Lord is putting in your mind that, oh, I should tell pastor about this thing that's happening, that probably means that you are the one that God is calling to help make it happen. That's a freebie. Um, But uh, the church is people. We're not a consumeristic business. We are all in this together for the glory of God. So wake up and get ready. And finally, get out. Get out of the house. Go be in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus told us. The end of chapter 5 puts all of this into practice. If Christ shines upon you, how should you act? In chapter 5, Paul goes through, uh, you know, how do we live uh, with Honoring, by honoring God with our wives, with our husbands, with our children, with our employees. How do we honor God in all that we do? But if you do that whole obeying God thing, which you should, Satan might not like it. So be prepared. Wake up, get ready, and get out there. So put on the armor of God in chapter 6 that we read about so you might stand against Satan and his attacks. He wants to scare you back into your comfort zone, back to your bed where you feel safe, back into your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, so that you won't change this world for the better. That's what it means to get out, to bravely walk where the Lord is leading you. I've talked a lot about my dogs. Here they are again because they're really cute and you should see them. And uh, I, my dogs are mostly pretty brave about stuff, but there's some things that they're very scared of. Hazel, when she was a puppy, we were on a walk and a garbage truck drove by. Now she's very scared of garbage trucks or even any kind of big truck with air brakes. Uh, she runs away. She finds, she goes under the bed. She's scared. She goes, runs back to her security spots. Sometimes that's under the bed, but sometimes that's right under my feet. (laughs) Daisy, recently, uh, a few months ago, went through her first heat cycle, so she had to wear diapers around the house a lot. Now she's scared of Velcro. Anytime we have any kind of Velcro, she runs under my feet, finds that place of safety, of security. When Christ shines upon you, when you let your life be filled with his light, there's nothing for you to fear because he is your champion. In the same way Daisy runs under my feet at the sound of Elcro, we should be staying in the presence of Jesus and letting his light shine in our life as we go out as Christ gives us light. He's your champion. He's your comfort. He's the one you can... Who, who can help you live your full and abundant and forgiven life to which he has called you. First John tells us that perfect love casts out all fear and love is perfected in Christ's for us. It's the definition of perfection. And when we walk with Christ, we get to see him in action. 
We get to see him working in our lives and the lives of others. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus with quiet, humble confidence because his presence is the everlasting comfort that we need. Knowing that this place, this world is not our home. We have somewhere to go to. But we want a lot of people to come there with us. So wake up. Get ready. And get out there because God has something for you. He has a purpose for you. I promise that most of this sermon was written years ago when I had no idea that I would be preaching at the Awakening Church. But it did feel appropriate. What was this moment for you? When the forgiveness of Jesus became real. The call on your life came to be known. Or when you were inspired to once again devote your life to Jesus, what were those awakening moments for you? I have several of those moments in my life. I remember Sunday school. We had just moved to Wisconsin. I was five or six years old. And we were singing together in Sunday school. Maybe it was a VBS even. But I just remember sitting there singing, Jesus, you are my all in all. Great song from the 90s. But I made that song my prayer. And that moment is drilled into my memory because that's the first time I invited Jesus into my life. It was an awakening moment for me as a six-year-old. In junior high, when my small group leader challenged us to be the leaders of the church today, I was awakened to the reality and responsibility that I can make a difference. Paul reminds young Pastor Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and truth and purity and all that you do. I was awakened by my small group leader in junior high. My junior year of high school, at Life Conference, I was awakened to my call to ministry. When Todd Adams shared how God worked through him as a missionary overseas in Africa. Or how about when I was serving as a youth pastor and a parent tried to get me fired because of how I was discipling their kids. I had to lean into Jesus a lot that year. Awakening to the reality that he was my comfort, he was my rock, he was my savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming king. We all need this moment of awakening. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because you need to have a conversation with Jesus. I want you to wrestle with this process. Wake up, get ready, and get out because you are somewhere in there. Where are you? Ask your Jesus. Ask, Lord, what is next for me? Where am I at in this process? Maybe you do need to wake up to the forgiveness that Jesus has waiting for you. It's a simple prayer. It's a simple invitation to say, Jesus, I know you are Lord and God and I need your forgiveness. As simple as that, to start to see the reality of what's going on around you. Maybe you've begun this relationship with Jesus, but you're still in bed. You need to get up. You need to get ready. You need to get moving for Jesus. So ask him, Lord, how can I get ready? How can I be prepared? How can I get, what do I need to do to get ready for you? 
many years ago, the Lord told me, Michael, you're not going to be at Northgate, my previous church, forever. So get ready. What Lord pressed on me is I needed to finish my ordination. I needed to finish my master's. And over the next few years, I was dedicated to being ready for whatever God would call me to do. Maybe you are ready, but you just haven't opened that front door yet. Maybe you need to think you need to wait for others, but I want you to know Jesus is the only one that you need to keep pace with. Where is he leading? Where is he guiding? Maybe you already know where he wants you to go, but you're resisting. You're wrestling. I promise you're not going to win that fight. Follow the Lord. Follow where he leads. Get out into this world. Follow through with the great commission that he has given you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, speak into your mind with a still, small voice. Just take note of what God is asking of you. Father God, I thank you so much that we get to be a part of what you're doing in this world. I thank you so much, Lord, that we can be awake. We can know spiritual truths that only you have revealed to us. I thank you that we can be prepared for this world in a way that others can't. We can have a spiritual awareness as we walk with you, as you lead, guide, and direct us. I pray, Lord, that you would Give wisdom, discernment, and faith to those who don't feel they know their purpose right now. We know you have a call in their life. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead them, guide them, direct them to take the steps towards where you want them to be. Lord, there may be people in this room or watching online that are wrestling with what you want them to be doing. I just pray your Holy Spirit upon them and that there would be a, a spark of inspiration for how they can serve you, honor you, whether that's here at the Awakening Community or other places around the world, Lord. There's so many ways and places that we can make a difference for your kingdom's sake if we choose to wake up, get ready, and get out. In your precious and holy name, amen.